0: The word Star Wars Celebration conjures up visions of an experience like none other in, well, the galaxy. The cultural impact of George Lucas' creative franchise cannot be overstated, in addition to its position as one of the seminal cinematic events of the motion picture age. After the 2020 iteration of the Celebration event was cancelled due to the recent unpleasantness, Disney and Star Wars partnered with Pop to hold the event again from the 26th to the 29th of May this year in 2022, in beautiful Anaheim, California. Um, As expected, legions of rebels, imperials, Mandalorians, and smugglers descended on the beautiful Anaheim Convention Center ready to celebrate their fandom. But before I continue, I'd like to issue a disclaimer in that I'd never attended a Star Wars celebration event before. So my frame of reference is that of a regular convention attendee uh, having covered events, as you know, in Phoenix, Dallas, las vegas portland and of course my home event here in salt lake city Uh, it turns out that this event much like san diego comic-con or d23 isn't that kind of event Uh, sure they still have row upon row of artists and vendors hawking their wares and feature some guest appearances like any other convention Uh, but whereas regular conventions are geared more toward fan guest interaction Uh, San Diego Comic-Con has become primarily an industry event, uh, designed for labels and studios to pimp upcoming IPs for rabid fan fan bases. Uh, Disney's D23 has always been that kind of event, uh, and is in fact one that I hope to attend in the future. Uh, Star Wars Celebration, though, presents itself as more of a normal event, uh, though I wasn't unaware of the fact that there would likely be a high degree of focus on the concurrently premiering Obi-Wan Kenobi series, none of that means there isn't the expectation and reality of guest interaction, mind you. Uh, So moving forward, we can agree that my coverage will reflect my expectations along with the realities of how the event performed its various missions. Uh, First, let's just talk about how the event came off. Um, And this is your reminder that I always always look at these events as a fan first, uh, as an attendee, a paying customer, uh, because that's theoretically who conventions are for, right? Okay. Uh, This celebration was run run by ReadPop, uh, a well-known brand in the convention business, Uh, so it's not like this is some fly-by-night organization. Uh, That said, uh, pre-event communication was horrific, in my opinion. Uh, Guests weren't announced until very late, Uh, within the last 30 days, mostly. Uh, And details on entry and organization were few and far between. Um, Repeated references to the app, uh, a phrase I am beginning to loathe as it is applied to conventions, by the way, uh, were pointless as the app didn't go live until the week of the event. Not cool. Um, During the event, or intra-event, if you will, uh, the marked inconsistency of cell service and uh, zero Wi-Fi. Um, obviously, this is a problem at nearly every event, uh, unless a venue is specifically upgraded to support that load, which the Anaheim Convention Center isn't. Um, ask the vendors, they'll tell you. Um, but trying to do anything but deal with previously downloaded data, panel schedules, and the like, uh, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, once you were inside the building... Access was sporadic at best. Um, why is that important? Well, if you want people to use the app for everything, then everything should probably work, don't you think? Um, speaking of panels, uh, the implementation of what they called the light speed feature to win spots at coveted panels was a shit show. I said it. Uh, nobody not a single person that I talked to had a good experience with Lightspeed, Um, and it was used for everything from the aforementioned panels to shopping opportunities in the celebration short store show, uh, more later, uh, uh, on that, uh, to be able to browse the Funko booth, uh, which was literally a no ticket, no entry scenario all weekend. Um, If you could connect to Lightspeed uh, and refer to my previous discussion of the app, uh, you were traded to a green bar that moved, if it moved, at a glacial pace as you moved up in the waiting list while being kind enough to tell you what wouldn't be available once you got in. Uh, Assuming you waited long enough to get to the actual light speed selection uh, the convenient drop down would populate with the options that were left with available times in the case of the store funko and etc so once you abandoned the pretense of trying to guarantee entry into one of the coveted panels or the mandalorian experience uh, which ran all weekend um, you could either wander the show floor or take your chances in the good old standby line uh, and hope openings uh, would become available Uh, for whatever panel you were shooting for Uh, for the record camping out and lengthy lines were ostensibly the reason light speed was put in place so there's that Uh, speaking of lines uh, in terms of the omnipresent photo ops uh, those were scheduled and run by epic photo ops who are it seems the gold standard at events like this Uh, and those ran pretty much on schedule as Epic runs a session group time slot system, uh, which keeps everything kind of dialed in, uh, provided guests aren't late or oversold. Um, Autographs, on the other hand, um, also run by Epic. Uh, I'm not sure if this is their norm or not, to be honest. Um, They were a complete disaster. Uh, For example, I purchased an autograph with Tamura Morrison for Thursday, uh, before times had been assigned, no problem. And I gratefully acknowledged the 5.20 p.m. time slot. Um, not the first group of his autographs, 100% fine, uh, that I was given and went about my day. Uh, so imagine my surprise when, sitting at the Salt Lake Airport Thursday morning at 7 a.m. waiting to board my flight to Anaheim, I got an email informing me that my time, and by extension all of his autograph times, had changed from 5.20 to 12.20, a full five hours earlier. Okay, I'm arriving in California at 9-ish. Allow an hour to get to my hotel and drop off luggage. Uh, Venue opens at 10 a.m., but I still have to get through the how long will it take health check where they will verify a COVID vaccination status or a negative test. Before allowing me to go through the actual entry queue. Complete with bag checks and metal detectors. And put on a mask. Doable. But a little less wiggle room to be sure. Fun fact. uh, Anaheim Convention Center is two blocks from Disneyland. Which doesn't require masks. Disney owns Star Wars. Weird, right? Anywho. Uh, shockingly, I landed early, had minimal traffic for my Uber driver, dropped my bags at the hotel, got through the health check and into the entry queue area, which is what seems to be the entire basement of the convention center, by the way, holy crap, that thing is huge. Um, all before 10 AM at 10 20, the line starts moving inside. Somehow the only line I need is already full. Full through the overflow area and has backed into what on Friday would become Ewan McGregor's autograph queue, which not a small area itself, by the way. Obviously. Uh, Turns out Tamir Morrison is running an hour later or so after they bumped all his times up five hours, mind you. Fun. Um, At 2 p.m., we leave his line... Autograph in hand. Overall, not terrible once he showed up to sign stuff. Um, All of that discussion is to make clear that by the next day, autograph times meant nothing. Um, If you had an autograph scheduled for the day, you could basically get in line whenever you wanted and wait it out. So that system didn't really translate from photos to autographs at all this past weekend. But, after successfully getting Tamir Morrison's autograph, we decided to gamble on the standby line for the Celebration Show store show. So, uh, in hopes of returning for a photo op that was scheduled at 4.40. Sounds fairly reasonable. Um, So, if the light speed portion of the app was an electronic shit show, then the Celebration Show store was the physical manifestation of that. Um, I don't know if you've ever been to a pop culture convention, Comic-Con type thing, but generally speaking, you can walk up to the merchandise table or booth, see everything, point to whatever you want, they bring it to you, you pay and leave. Easy peasy. Well, apparently, they hired someone from traditional retail to organize the store. Uh, because it looked like an old Navy on Black Friday. Uh, you walked through the store like a mall outlet. Racks of t shirts and hoodies, all empty or just blown apart. Displays of other branded tchotchkes, you know, mugs, patches, pool float, Fucking pool floaties. Uh, stuffed animals. Uh, spread in no discernible pattern. Uh, so was spending around 45 minutes in the line to get in, desperately searching for something, anything, that we actually wanted, and taking a little over an hour to get through the checkout line that circled the perimeter of the space. We got a photo with Giancarlo Esposito at almost the time we were scheduled. Um, The upside of standing in the photo op queue at that moment, however, uh, was that the celebration? Or excuse me, the Star Wars Celebration live stage, one of several non-main stage areas, uh, conveniently located right next to the photo op area, uh, featured Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen plugging that night's premiere of the Disney Plus series *Obi-Wan Kenobi*, and we got to watch it. Uh, so that was a cool ten minutes. Uh, let's uh, circle back. Uh, since the 2020 event was delayed. Uh, We, the fans, have been treated to The Mandalorian, The Book of Boba Fett, The Bad Batch, and now, during the event itself, the premiere of the long-sought-after Obi-Wan Kenobi series. I am not going to recap all the upcoming titles Lucasfilm teased during Celebration. You've seen countless stories about them already, and in this wonderful technological age, you've even seen that most of the footage and trailers has found its way to the Internet. No, instead I want to talk about what all that means. Uh, This is the Star Wars celebration. Uh, This should be a chance for fans to indulge in meeting and reliving everything they love about that galaxy far, far away. And they kind of did. As fans, costumes abounded. Uh, Those hard-to-find classic bits of merchandise could be had for a price. And you could, if you pre-bought Meet one of the many folks associated with the franchise. Actors, stunt people, voice actors, etc. It should have been awesome. Really should have been. But the entire time, I felt bombarded by the brand. Screens on the stages, when not showing panels happening somewhere you couldn't get to in person. And mostly couldn't hear if you were watching from the floor area because... Crowds. Uh, They were plugging one of the many major vendors, hawking their newest exclusive branded merchandise, uh, which you could buy if you could afford it, if it wasn't sold out already, or could even get into the vendor in the first place. The brand was everywhere. Citizen Watches had a booth with new exclusive branded watches. Uh, Most people who wear watches now wear smart ones. Uh, And Citizen is not cheap. Certainly not for showing off your fandom of the brand every day. Look, I love merch. I do. I have entirely too much of it, to be honest. Uh, And I picked up one or two things that, that I wasn't expecting to, but come on. This was actually bordering on ridiculous. I mean, most of the exclusives are probably no longer exclusive or won't be for much longer. Uh, let's not even mention the cottage industry of buying the exclusives and immediately reselling them online at a huge markup. eBay had people selling the free, cheap-ass lanyards branded with Star Wars Celebration 2022 from Box Lunch, and the fucking blue cloth Star Wars Celebration 2022 branded wristbands that show you you'd made it through the health check. The health check. People were selling those. What the hell, man? Most of the panels weren't about the galaxy that we know and love, but rather they were 10-minute commercial plugs for what was coming up. You know, those aforementioned new shows like Jedi Survivor, Andor, etc. Or the continuing push for the High Republic-era materials. Everything felt like a hard sell on what was next. What you needed to buy, watch, read, consume, moving forward. Instead of appreciating what has come before, what you had what had earned your love and loyalty and yes dollars if the rise of skywalker felt to many like excessive fans service it's possible star wars celebration felt like excessive fan disservice uh instead of fans asking what have you done for me lately it was the studio asking what will you do for us next Uh, George Lucas is widely credited with having created the idea of film branding in 1977. Uh, After this weekend, I feel as if I was confronted by the confluence of the long-established Disney marketing machine and the most popular IP in existence. And it's not just me. Countless other folks who've attended multiple celebrations in the past, including a gentleman from Switzerland say they were less than impressed with this iteration not that it simply wasn't as good as previous events but that they were actively disappointed in it some folks outright blamed read pop which surprised me as again my previous experiences with their events was generally pretty good so i'm not sure where the disconnect is in this instance but that disconnect is genuine Uh, at least it feels that way to a lot of the fans Oh, and remember the masks thing I mentioned earlier on? Barely enforced for the first three days. And then they made a half-hearted attempt to keep reminding people on Sunday. So there was maybe a 50% success rate on that. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot You know, included Ewan McGregor, Tamir Morrison, Ian McDiarmid. They were all on hand to sign, pose with fans. Uh, Though Pedro Pascal and Hayden Christensen managed to show up to surprise, push upcoming materials, but not interact with fans. Plus the voice actors and whatnot. It was a really solid list of folks. I, I was personally excited to see many of them, though I couldn't possibly have seen everyone I wanted to. Uh, and I completely understood why other folks were excited by the other other guests. Um, but to break up the relentlessness of the event, I actually spent all day Saturday over at Disneyland and California Adventure. So it's not like I dislike Disney or anything. Um, by the way, Rise of the Resistance is a pretty fantastic ride, as is the Spider-Man ride on the New Avengers campus. Um, but in the end, Star Wars Celebration and its ilk is for two types of people. Uh, Those who want to be the first to know what is coming up, as if this somehow gives them a position of fandom superiority. Or is that phantom superiority in this case? Or worse, there are people who want to profit off those fans who can't attend or aren't lucky enough to get the freebies or exclusive merchandise by selling those self-same freebies and exclusive merchandise after overbuying and then reselling at a substantial markup perhaps when all is said and done I'll wind up sticking to more general pop culture events instead of these highly specialized ones secure in the knowledge that only the only shameless promotion promotion that will come during actual panels when somebody asks a celebrity what they're going to be up to next I still love Star Wars though take it easy everyone